and now we welcome you once again to TV Ate My Dinner Theater. Welcome once again to TV at my dinner theater. I'm your host, Ascension CEO Halley, and tonight we bring to you a vintage radio serial The Adventures of the Patriotic Paragon, America's Most Concerned Citizen. It was a serial created in six parts. Tonight we bring you the first three. Oh yes, my friends. TV ain't my dinner theater is first two-parter. Let's try to contain our excitement. Please stay tuned and enjoy the program. In 1935, a government researcher bore witness to a bizarre and unexplainable visitation from above. Consumed by an unearthly radiance, he later began to exhibit a number of superhuman abilities. Possessing the strength of the mythic titan, an incredible super genius equal to the greatest thinking minds history has ever known, an aura of imperviousness which protects him and anything he touches from harm, he put the convictions of his heart to practice and became the patriotic paragon, America's most concerned citizen. Friend to every law-abiding citizen, champion of the American way of life, he uses his powers to protect his country from all threats outside and in, and keeps the fires of liberty burning for generations to come. Episode 1, The Fires of Liberty. hero, he was steadfastly defending New York City from the evil plans of his sworn nemesis, the dreaded Dr. Dark. Having reached new levels of wickedness, Dr. Dark schemed to take over Liberty Island as the base from which he would launch his latest plot to destroy the American way of life. Using his incredible super genius abilities, the Paragon unlocked the secrets of the demented Doctor's twisted plan and rushed to Lady Liberty's defense. But can he get there in time to thwart Dark's sinister attack? Or could this be the end of our democratic way of life? Dr. Dark, we have the island surrounded. Surrender yourself to the authorities before someone gets hurt. <laughs> Fool! Why would I have done all this if I did not want someone to get hurt? Be gone, insects! Do not travel with the overwhelming genius of Dr. Dark. Soon, the only authority in this country will be my rule. <laughs> Rules were made to be broken, Dark. Or don't you agree? Well, well, if it isn't my old friend, the patriotic parakeet. Your English has improved since the last time I saw you, Dr. Dark. But to tell you the truth, I never liked you. Oh, how tragic. And I thought you were everybody's friend. Every law-abiding citizen, villain, and you're neither. Now, are you going to come in quietly? 
or do I have to convince you? <laughs> I think I'm going to need some convincing, Agent Paragon. Or do you think you can get this transmitter away from me before I can hit the detonator switch? The jig is up, Dark. I searched the entire island already, and I didn't find any bombs to detonate, so we both know you're bluffing. <laughs> poor, poor Paragon. If only you could see past that idiotic patriotism of yours, you might realize the answer is right under your nose. My nose? Quit talking in riddles, you demented monster. The only thing under my nose is... Great Gatsby! You can't mean... Oh, but I do, my patriotic Popinjay. The entire Statue of Liberty is one gigantic missile. Diabolical. This is even more fiendish than I would have given you credit for, Dark. Turning America's most inspiring landmark into the instrument of its destruction. There are no limits to my ambition, Pentagon. Watch. No! Too late, you pathetic do-gutter. Now the only way you can stop the missile from launching is if your super genius can discern the deactivation code before the launch sequence ends. Which, by the way, is in two minutes. You fiend. And I suppose while I'm doing that, you'll make your escape, eh? Ah, you see, the super genius is already at work. Just in case you're interested, the targeting system is programmed with the Vitas as its destination. Jumping Jupiter at the pressure. Time is running out, you fool. I think I will be going now. Ye gods, what do I do? Let Dr. Dark escape and try to unlock the launch codes? Or go after him and let the missile fire? Have to warn the president. This is Agent Zero X on the Eagle Com for the Chief Exec. Code red, white, and blue. Do you read me, Chief Exec? Repeat. I read you, Zero X. This is Chief Exec. What's the trouble? The trouble is, Dr. Dark's turned the Statue of Liberty into the world's largest missile, and he's set it to launch for the White House in less than two minutes. Great Scott! What are you going to do? If I try to stop Dark, Lady Liberty will take to the air, and there won't be any way to stop her. We can't have every American looking skyward in mortal fear of the symbol of freedom and democracy with the rest of the world looking up her dress. Listen to me. Listen to me, Zero X. The White House and the Statue of Liberty may be symbols of what makes America great, but that's all they are. If we let ourselves become so protective of them that we allow maniacs like Dr. Dark to run free and prey on innocent citizens, then we've lost sight of what those symbols mean. We'll evacuate the White House. You go after Dark. Yes, sir. Zero X, out. Good hunting, Zero X. Chief Exec. Signing off. Approximately 15 seconds to grab Dr. Dark before Lady Liberty launches. But how do I reach him in time? You there, in the helicopter. Certainly are a lot of steps in this statue. Perhaps I should not have started the launch sequence while I was at the top. There's the exit. How to get out before the missile launches. 10 seconds left. What? Lock! Who locked this door? I'll give you three guesses, Dark. Now deactivate the launch sequence or you'll be taking a one-way trip to the White House. Never! Then I'll see you in Washington. When this missile hits, you're going to be giving new definition to the phrase, paint the town red. <laughs> Very well. You drive a hard bargain, Paragon. Now open up out there. All right, Dark. Hand over the transmitter. Don't want you pulling anything now that you're out, do we? You are far too clever for me. Very well. But how did you beat me down here? When you're on the side of the right, everyone's your friend. While you were left to run down the stairs, I hitched a ride with the boys in blue and with their help, managed to intercept you. So long as Americans stand together against our enemies, our way of life can never truly be threatened. Take him away, boys. I'm going to stay behind and disarm the explosives he planted in the statue. All right, come on, Doc. We got a special room waiting for you up at the Hoosgal. 
We hurry up, we can get you there in time for supper. <laughs> you may have won this time, Pentagon, but you will never defeat the overwhelming genius of the dreaded Dr. Dark. Yeah, yeah, all right. Get your overwhelming genius in the helicopter, Dr. Midnight. That's Dark, you fools. The name is Dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's hope that's the last of him. This is Agent Zero X on the Eagle Com calling Chief Exec. Code red, white, and blue. Chief Exec, do you read? I read you, Zero X. Did you get Dr. Dark? You won't have to worry about him for a while, Chief Exec. And I called off your date with Lady Liberty. I hope you're not disappointed. I'll get over it. Good work, Zero X. America can always count on you. I'll declare the all clear on the evacuation. Washington can rest easy tonight, knowing you're on the job. I do whatever I can. Until you need me again, Chief Exec, this is Agent Zero X, swearing that so long as I'm on the job, the stars and stripes will always be flying high, and Lady Liberty will always be firmly fixed to the ground. Zero X, out. You're an inspiration to us all, Zero X. With any luck, we won't need to call on you for quite some time. With Dr. Dark behind bars, maybe 1941 will be the year that America can enjoy a little peace and quiet for a change. This is Chief Exec, signing off. And with that, the patriotic paragon, America's most concerned citizen, having saved New York City, the Statue of Liberty, the White House, the President of the United States, and the American way of life from the plans of the dreaded Dr. Dark, rested easy, hoping that perhaps finally the citizens of the USA would be safe from those who sought to subvert the American way. Good evening. I'm Sir Sinjin Siohele, with Cool of the New Productions. Independent film. What is it? Where are its roots? Independent film is our own modern form of street theater. The voice of the common man, one might say. We see this evidenced in such film genres as the so-called black exploitation. But one such film genre that is equally important but often overlooked is that of fat exploitation. The film voice of the obese. Let's listen to what the experts have to say. I'm Lau Langley, outside what was once the Rosewood Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. In the late 70s, the Rosewood was a haven for fat exploitation films, and it was here that all of the classics could be seen. Of course, the most popular fat exploitation hero of them all, the fattest mother in town, was Flab. Who's the cop that gets takeout every time he's on a stakeout? You want fries with that, hun? Super size, please. Blab always fought for what was right in a world that had no mercy for the heavy. Who is the man that'll risk his neck for a leg of lamb? Come to Papa. He was large and in charge, and he always got his man. He's a complicated man. No one understands him but his burger. I hope those ropes aren't too tight, Detective Flab. But you'd be saving yourself some trouble if you'd just cooperate. Fat chance, Mr. Slim. When I get out of these ropes, I'm gonna tear through you like a box full of donuts. You're pretty tough, Flab. But we'll see how you hold up under real pressure. Ha! Huh. You expect me to talk? Why, no, Mr. Flab. I expect you to die yet. What? Meet my new personal trainer, Mr. Low One Fat. He'll teach you a new definition of pain on the Stairmaster. No! Flab had his heyday at the height of the fat exploitation era, but that didn't last very long. Unfortunately, by the early 80s, 
The Rosewood was nothing more than a fond memory for a small group of very fat people. The building isn't even there anymore. It got torn down in 1992 to make way for a Starbucks coffee house. But what happened to the fat exploitation film movement? Why didn't it have as strong an impact with its target audience as other similar independent film movements? Well, it's a simple matter of logistics. The fatal flaw of the fat exploitation genre is that its target audience was unable to fit in the theater seats. This spelled disaster for the Rosewood and for fat exploitation in general. Back to you, Sir Sinjin. Oh, 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 well, <clears throat> sorry about that. Turns out it was a rather stupid story after all. The Adventures of the Patriotic Paragon, America's Most Concerned Citizen. Episode 2, The Common Defense. Our story begins nearly 11 years after the Patriotic Paragon's crushing defeat of the villainous Dr. Dark. The year is 1952, and America is a very different place. Police, stop right there. Stop, I'm ordering you to surrender. All right, if that's the way you want it. Gentlemen, that's the third pharmacy hit in the last week, and we still haven't got a single lead. My men got close, sir, but these guys just know the streets too well. They have a bad habit of just disappearing into thin air. Oh, what about the car? Clean. We couldn't find a thing that would help us get a lead on them. Then what's the connection? What are they looking for? Oh, why pharmacies? It's not a money issue, sir. They never even touched the registers. Two of the stores have safes right under the counter. Looks like no one even tried to get into them. Well, then why? The mayor wants answers. Answers that as chief of police, I should be able to give. Find me a motive. Find me a connection. Find me a suspect before we're both out of a job. I ain't on it, chief. Meanwhile, in a remote government installation, a momentous decision is about to be reached. I'm telling you, Payne, these aren't just simple robberies. This is about Dark's formula. Well, I think you're jumping to conclusions, sir. Dark is dead. Presumed dead, Lieutenant. Dr. Dark's remains were never found in the wreckage of that helicopter crash. Well, neither were the bodies of the officers escorting him, Commander. But who knows what happened to them when that thing hit the water? It's not for us to decide either way. We'll leave it to the committee to decide whether or not there's a threat to national security being represented in these pharmacy break-ins. Ah, Commander Hamilton. Good of you to join us. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd also like to thank the committee for hearing my concerns. That's what we're here for, Commander. Now, if you'd be so kind as to begin the briefing. Of course. As many of you know, in July of 41, the patriotic paragon thwarted an attempt, the superhuman subversive Dr. Dark, to convert the Statue of Liberty into what we now know was an early working prototype of the atomic bomb. Thanks to the paragon, this atomic missile, which would, if successful, have targeted the White House, was never launched. After seeing what became of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, I think we can all be glad of that. As well we are, Commander. Now, if you please... If you'll bear with me a few more moments, Mr. Chairman, my point will become clear. Now, after having defeated Dr. Dark, the Paragon put him in the custody of two New York City police officers to transport the doctor via helicopter to a holding cell while he stayed behind to disarm the explosives planted in the statue. That helicopter never reached its destination. It went down in the Hudson River and none of its passengers' bodies were ever recovered. That was then, gentlemen. The present connection is in Dark's formula a recipe for destruction which our scientists managed to compile based on the device he planted in the Statue of Liberty. The formula was instrumental in our own development of atomic weaponry. Unfortunately, once the war was over, this department was subject to reprioritization and all its research was seized in February of 46. 
It was during this period that the elusive atomic formula of Dr. Dark was mysteriously lost. A formal inquiry and investigation was held, but no ill intent could be proven. The existence of the formula was only apparent to a select few, so its disappearance failed to stir any significant interest. This exposition is not illuminating your point as brightly as I would like, Commander. What I'm saying, Mr. Chairman, is that Dr. Dart didn't just disappear, and neither did his formula. They're both out there somewhere, and it would be in the best interest of national security if we sent in an agent to look into it. Why now? I was just getting to that, General Stryker. In the past few weeks, New York has been plagued by a bizarre series of pharmacy break-ins. What makes them so strange is the fact that nothing of any real value, including the safes and cash boxes, was taken. Only certain obscure pharmaceuticals, none of which has any recreational value, were taken. Tell me there is more to this nebulous connection than that. There is, Mr. Chairman. While having no value I can determine, these items do all have one very suspicious factor in common. And what would that be? They're all trace elements in Dark's formula. But you said it was an atomic formula. What do pharmaceuticals have with making an A-bomb? I told you the formula had developed, had helped us develop our own atomic weaponry, General, but only to a limited capacity. There was much about it our scientists were unable to figure out, and so it was cataloged, filed away, and forgotten. The head researcher of that program, however, a Dr. Samuel Weston, theorized in his final report that those trace elements in the formula of undetermined purpose could very well be part of a biological anomaly which aided the fission process of the atom. So let me get this straight. You're saying that Dark's formula is a blueprint for non-molecular atomic fission? That's impossible! Dark's intelligent quotient is off the charts, General. Who knows what his mind is capable of concocting? Let's not jump to conclusions here, gentlemen. Regardless of the formula's true nature, if it's some sort of biological weapon, then it's well within the interests of national security to have these pharmacy break-ins investigated. If your conclusion that someone is attempting to reconstruct Dark's formula is correct, then we should get one of our best men on it. Any recommendations? I have someone in mind, Mr. Chairman. I thought you might. A mission of this sort requires someone with a degree of expertise. I agree. I was thinking we could turn it over to the P.E.T.F. McCarthy boys, are you kidding? They are an elite division. More like an elitist division. Reminds me of the Brown Church, for God's sake. I'm forced to agree with General Stryker, Mr. Chairman. There's no evidence so far of treasonous behavior, so why involve them in this committee's affairs unless absolutely necessary? I'm willing to defer to your expertise, Commander. Who then do you have in mind? The man who stopped Dark back in 41, sir. I think it's time to reactivate Agent Zero X, codenamed the Patriotic Paragon. Are you sure? He's been officially inactive since then. We know better than that, don't we, General? I'll back him up on this one, Mr. Chairman. The Paragon did us wonders in Berlin. He's got my vote. That settles it then. You have your assignment, Commander. Make it happen. Yes, sir. That went well. I suppose. You don't sound convinced. No offense, sir, but you didn't walk in there with much to say. Thankfully, the committee didn't agree, Lieutenant, but all the same, it did seem to go almost too smoothly. Meaning? I don't know, but we better be on the lookout for anything weird. I smell a rat. You think someone's oiling the political machine? Maybe. It is an election year, after all. And even at that moment, in what was once the busy nerve center of the patriotic paragon's crime-fighting activities, America's most concerned citizen sat in meditation, remembering the glory of his past. Why did I come here? What keeps drawing me back? Am I still needed? Is duty enough? 
Oh, America, I miss you. I miss the good old days when I could tell the good guys from the bad guys. What happened? Is there any room left for me? I'm still here, America. Whenever you need me, all you have to do is ask. Well, isn't this fortuitous? Urgent message on the Eagle Com for Agent Zero X. Come in, Zero X. Do you read? This is Zero X. Is that you, Chief Exec? I'm afraid not, Zero X. Listen. I answer only to the Chief Exec. How did you get on this channel? This is a direct line between me and the President. You mean it was Zero X, but that was a different administration. No one answers directly to the President anymore. It's all committees now. Then who is this? Identify yourself, soldier. Commander Aaron John Hamilton, Special Navy Attaché to the Executive Special Security Committee. Special Security, Special Attaché? That's quite a lengthy title, soldier. I didn't come up with it, sir. No need to explain. I didn't come up with a patriotic paragon, either. So your Navy stock, eh? Is that honorary commission, or did you do your time? Believe me, there's nothing honorary about my position, sir. You might say I'm retired now. They call me a consultant. Don't take this the wrong way, but are you telling me I'm receiving my assignment from an analyst? I prefer to think of myself as an armchair specialist. I see. A special attaché, special security specialist, then. So that's how they're playing it these days. I'm not sure I follow. I'm losing track myself these days, to tell you the truth. So what's the trouble, Commander? I know you haven't heard this in a long time, Zero X, but America needs you. I thought that's what the PETF was for. Unless it's them you're after. I almost wish it were, Zero X, but we've got bigger fish to fry. If you say so, soldier. What is it, then, that falls within the area of special security, but outside the jurisdiction of the PETF? It's Dr. Dark, Zero X. We think he may have resurfaced. I thought Dark was officially presumed dead. That was then. Now we have reason to suspect otherwise. And that's not all. Do you remember the formula? From the dreaded Dr. Dark's diabolical device of destruction? Definitely. We fear he may be trying to reconstruct his doomsday weapon. For whatever purpose, we don't know. I'll tell you what purpose. The systematic destruction of the American way. He'll probably try to turn the Washington Monument into a missile this time. Or the top of the Capitol building. Great Lakes, we've no time to lose. That's the spirit, Zero X. You're starting to sound like yourself again. I wish the circumstances were different, Commander, but it feels good to be needed again. Keep talking. And with that, the patriotic paragon was once again called upon to defend the citizens of the USA from the threat of overwhelming calamity after over a decade of neglect. Hey man, I didn't know you wore contacts. Yeah, I've had them for years. I mean, can you see me in glasses? Jeez. Have you ever put them both in one eye before? Well, no. Of course not. That would be pretty weird. You know, I wonder what it would do. Huh. Well, let's find out. Let's see. I'm going to put it right here. Ah! Ah! What? What? My eyes! My eyes! What's happening? Chris! I can see right through you. Hold up, Dave. What are you talking about? I can see it all, Chris. I can see the curvature of the Earth. The what? Look out. Someone's getting mugged. Mugged? Where? France. Dave, you're talking crazy. Look up there. What is it? Saturn. The rings are beautiful. Dave, get a hold of yourself. I can see the future. You're talking crazy, Dave. Just, just oh try to... Oh, my God. Uh... Look out. Whoa, whoa. The Adventures of the Patriotic Paragon, America's Most Concerned Citizen. Episode 3, Old Glory. 
Good evening. I'm Edwin S. Prescott, and this is First Hand. In the first portion of tonight's program, we'll be looking into the activities of the Patriotism Enforcement Task Force, or simply the PETF. With us here in the studio, we have one of the members of the task force, the agent codenamed Witch Hunter, to discuss the PETF's agenda since it was formed by the House Un-American Activities Committee in 1947. Then in the second half of our program, we'll look back on the inspiring record of the patriotic paragon, analyzing his career as a special security crime-fighting operative, starting with his emergence in 1935 and leading up to his final battle with Dr. Dark in 1941. With us to talk about that and what many consider the unexpected return of the American legend is Commander Aaron Hamilton of the Executive Special Security Committee. But first, let's look back on the history of the PETF. In 1947, the House Un-American Activities Committee had been in existence nearly a decade when under the new leadership of Parnell Thomas it formed the Patriotism Enforcement Task Force to investigate and eliminate any threat of treasonous activity within the federal government. Following the successful creation of the Executive Special Security Committee, this task force employed the use of so-called superhumans to carry out its policies. Then in 1950, Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy successfully petitioned to gain control over the task force to aid in his anti-communist crusade. Now to many, the PETF is full of American heroes who are defending our way of life, but its critics would argue that the task force is nothing more than a super-powered militia carrying out a political agenda of borderline fascism and Red Scare paranoia. With us to discuss the agent further is Agent Witch Hunter, a member of the task force. Which Hunter, how would you respond to your critics in the issue of numerous incidents involving what many consider to be the unnecessary use of force by your members of the PETF? To which incidents exactly are you referring, Mr. Prescott? I'm referring to repeated reports of mistreatment of witnesses by members of your task force, including the apprehension of several alleged key members of the Coalition for Free Expression. A suspected communist front, the PETF, exposed and raided last year. That raid resulted in the hospitalization of over half a dozen people. They were obstructing an official investigation and resisting arrest by officers of the law. They got with them. Now, isn't it true that no formal charges have been brought against any members of the CFE, even those hospitalized after the raid? One of which, I might add, is still in a coma to this day. The Justice Department is still making the case. Now, isn't it also true that two members of the PETF have, in fact, been brought up on charges of misconduct by way of excessive use of force, as well as the violation of the CFE members' civil rights? That is true, but so far that investigation is only in the preliminary stages. But even FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, a frontrunner in the crusade against communism and a longtime friend of Senator McCarthy, reportedly called the CFE raid an outrageous disgrace. He accused Senator McCarthy and the PETF of displaying a reckless disregard for procedure and jeopardizing the entire campaign to flush out communism and government. That's for the committee to decide, I suppose, sir. Uh, in any event, I stand behind that raid, and we've had a number of highly successful investigations under Senator McCarthy's direction. Perhaps you've forgotten Lattimore, Atchison, Marshall, and so on? I would hardly characterize those as highly successful investigations, Witch Hunter. The Atchison investigation failed to yield so much as his resignation. The Lattimore investigation may be going well, but has not yet concluded, and I would hardly call Secretary of State Marshall's resignation a great victory. 
It earned the anti-communism effort more criticism than support. In any event, the PETF's contribution in each of those investigations was extremely limited. We served more in the capacity of research in those cases. Are you criticizing us for that, too? No, not at all. I'm simply saying that the role the PETF played in those investigations exists more on paper than in reality. I hate to make this comparison, but the Executive Special Security Committee had only one field operative for six years of the patriotic Paragon's career, and in that time, he overthrew the megalomaniacal General Menace, the colossal rampaging Panda, as well as the dreaded Dr. Dark. Your purpose seems to be more political. In the five years since your activation by the HUAC, the most assignments you have received are those issued by Senator McCarthy, who has only had authority over the PETF, I believe, for a year and a half. At first, there were jurisdictional disputes between the HUAC and the ESSC. There was a proposed merger between the two committees in 1949, but the ESSC fought it. Now, as I recall, that argument was that the ESSC's purpose was to investigate all matters regarding national security, whereas the HUAC was concerned with more internal threats. Uh, they, that's what they said. Well, I'm receiving the signal that it's time to take a break. Thank you for speaking with us, Witch Hunter. We'll be back in a moment with a look at the extraordinary career of the patriotic Paragon. We'll also be talking to Commander Aaron Hamilton of the ESSC. You're watching firsthand with Edward S. Prescott. And at that moment, in another part of the city, a crime is about to take place. Come on, Slick. You got it yet? Go, go, give me a minute, uh, unless you want to do it. Come on, quit fooling around. You got it. Oh, never a doubt in my mind. Oh, let's make this quick. The cops are getting closer and closer all the time. What's the boss want all this dumb stuff for, anyway? Well, ain't our place to ask. Just get the stuff and let's... Can I help you, boys? <laughs> Look out, Slick. It's one of those super freaks. We surrender, man. Don't, uh, don't uh, kill us or nothing. I'm not going to kill you. Well, d d d don't hurt us either, man. We'll go quietly. What were you doing here? We just came to get oh, some... We just came to, uh, to, uh, to rob the register. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. We're, we're in it for the money. The registers are over here. Huh? Oh, oh yeah. Well, uh, we uh, we never done this before. Eh? Yeah, he's right. <laughs> We've never robbed another pharmacy in our lives. <laughs> Shut up, Snake. Your name is Snake, son? Well, it's not my real name, sir. What's your real name? Well, my yeah, real you, name... You stupid or something, Snake. Well, shut it. I get the strange impression you boys aren't being honest with me. Why don't we discuss this downtown? Oh, anything you say. We'll, we'll go quietly. Yeah, real quietly. Won't that be a relief? So what you're saying, Commander Hamilton, is that government secrets of an atomic nature have been stolen away by an unknown party for an unknown purpose. That is our theory, yes. Which is why we reactivated the Paragon to go look into it. And how would you respond to allegations that this is little more than a cheap stunt to stir up public interest during an election year? I say that our reasons are legitimate. The Paragon is needed once again, and so we've called on it. Nothing more. If that were true, then why the Paragon? If espionage is involved, then I believe the PETF would be better suited to handle that. It's our opinion that this is more a national security concern than an internal matter. Therefore, we're sending in our own operative. I see. And these atomic secrets, I don't suppose you could explain exactly what they are? I'm not at liberty to say. I hate to dwell on it, Commander, but that story of yours sounds a bit familiar. How so, Mr. Prescott? I'm sure you're familiar with the 1949 book, The Red Plot Against America, authored by Robert Stripling, the HUAC's top investigator. I've heard of it. Are you also aware that he makes many similar allegations in his book that you've described here? As a matter of fact, one of the very charges he makes, and I'm quoting here, is that 
Choice military secrets, including A-bomb data, have passed on to the leaders of a country which since VE Day has overrun Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria, Romania, Czechoslovakia, Finland, Albania, and most of China. I'm not pointing fingers here, sir. I'm just saying the formula is missing. That's why we have the Paragon on the case. No evidence of any kind points to foul play amongst government officials. We'll see, Commander. Well, it looks like we're out of time. Thank you for speaking with us. My pleasure. That wraps up this week's edition of First Hand. I'm Edwin S. Prescott. Thank you for watching, and good night. Tune in next time when the patriotic Paragon gets an unlikely partner in the fight to stop Dr. Doc. This has been The Adventures of the Patriotic Paragon, America's Most Concerned Citizen, written by Sean Gilbert, produced with the cooperation of the Carrollton Parks and Recreation Department and KISS 102.7 FM Carrollton, featuring the voice talents of Mark Wilson, Chip Powell, Joe Cook, Sean Hall, Mark Newman, and Keith Johnson. This program was produced by Kathy James with the musical accompaniment of Steve Cash. Dog crazy. Dog